Well, good morning. It is uh, great to be back here with you at Wood River Baptist Church. Uh, we got the dates mixed up a little bit. I was supposed to be here on the 26th, but it's really the 19th. And so if it would have been next week, brother, I would not have shown up. <laughs> uh, we'll be with uh, Brother Speroni, actually, uh, next week. In, uh, how do you pronounce it? Pasco? Pasco wag? How do you pronounce it? Pasco. Okay, so the G sound, right? So that's where we'll be. Uh, next week with Brother uh, Brian Speroni all day with him and his people. And so we are uh, really looking forward to that. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do here today. Amen. And so I'll have more to say uh, for the next service. But this is Sunday school. And so if you have any questions during the Sunday school, please do not hesitate to raise your hand since this is Sunday school. Amen. So we are here to learn God's word his prophetic word in light of current events. And so what we're going to do right now is I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and go with me to the book of what? Ezekiel. We're going to be, it's obvious, right? Ezekiel chapter number one is where we're going to be at. I want to talk about, we're going to teach you the book of Ezekiel in a nutshell today. How you can teach pretty much all 48 chapters of the book of Ezekiel. Now, if we were to go chapter by chapter for Sunday school, brother, we might be here till like maybe Monday, I guess, you know. So we're not going to do that, amen. So we're going to teach you the book of Ezekiel in a nutshell. And so you can uh, use this for Sunday school teaching down the road or maybe even a message. And so we're going to look at Ezekiel, retribution and restoration. You might want to write that down. Ezekiel, retribution and restoration. So why would I say Ezekiel retribution and restoration? Because that is the theme of his book. The theme is retribution and the theme is restoration. And so we are in Ezekiel uh, chapter number one. I just want to look at three verses with me, please. Ezekiel uh, chapter one, we're going to be looking at verses one through three. Ezekiel chapter one. Verses 1 through 3. We'll read these three passages and then I will open up this Sunday school in prayer. Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. And the word of God says this. Now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, was I among the captives by the river of Kabar, that the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly or clearly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So let's pray this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for once again allowing us to be here at Wood River Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for the friendship. Thank you, dear Lord, for the fellowship of Brother John, dear Lord, and uh, the brethren of this church, Lord. We're so appreciative of them, so appreciative of this ministry. And Heavenly Father, I pray that during the Sunday school hour that you would meet with us, dear Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would have his will 
and his way during this Sunday school, that he would be glorified in everything that is said and done. And Lord, as we teach about this wonderful apocalyptic book called the book of Ezekiel, I pray, dear Lord, that you would keep me within the bounds of the Holy Scriptures as I teach this message, that we not go beyond the perimeters of the Word of God, dear Lord. We don't want false doctrine, we want Bible doctrine this morning. And Lord, I pray for Sunday school and even during the services, morning and evening, that if there is someone here and they don't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would call upon the name of the Lord, that they would get saved. So Father, be glorified now in everything that is said and done here for this Sunday school. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And Amen. Ezekiel, retribution and restoration. Now we know that Ezekiel was a Jewish prophet. Okay? He was a Jewish prophet. And as a Jewish prophet, he was taken in the second wave of the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem at around 539 B.C. Now, there were three waves of Babylonian invasions of Jerusalem. There was a first wave, second wave, and then a final wave, the third wave. Now, the first wave was in 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar came in and took a group of Jewish captives back to Babylon. And by the way, in that first wave in 605 B.C., Daniel and his three Jewish buddies were taken in the first wave of that Babylonian invasion. That would be Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But you see, you better know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah as who? Exactly. See, you call them by their pagan Babylonian names. I like to call them by their godly Hebrew names, amen? But when they went to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to strip these four Jewish boys of the worship of the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he says, I'm going to take away your godly Hebrew names and replace them with my gods that represent the name of my gods. So I'm going to call you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But in 605 BC, those four Jewish boys were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then, of course, in 539 B.C., in the second Babylonian wave, the Jewish prophet Ezekiel and 10,000 Jewish captives were taken over into Babylon. And then the third and final wave was in 586 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and took the remaining Jews back into Babylon for a period of how long? Seventy years. They were in the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. How do we know that they were in the Babylonian captivity for 70 years? This is exactly, someone just said, Jeremiah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 2, was reading out of the book of Jeremiah. And he saw in Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 10 and 11, and Jeremiah chapter uh, 29, verse number 10, Jeremiah said the Jews would be in the Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years. Now, when we look at these two Jewish prophets, Daniel and Ezekiel, they are known as the prophets of the captivity. They prophesied during the Babylonian captivity for that period of time. As a matter of fact, prior to the Babylonian captivity, God sent 12 Jewish prophets 
to prophesy to the southern kingdom of Judah. And they weren't listening. God said prophet after prophet after prophet to preach his word. They rejected God. They rejected the word of God. They rejected the men of God. And that resulted in the Babylonian captivity. God had to punish the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, at this time, the northern kingdom was taken into the Assyrian captivity because of the same status quo. They rejected the word of God, and now the southern kingdom is taken into the Babylonian captivity. So 12 prophets prior to the Babylonian captivity preached to the southern kingdom. They did not repent. And then during the Babylonian captivity, two prophets prophesied, Daniel and Ezekiel. And then after that captivity, when the Jews went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, God sent three Jewish prophets to prophesy post-captivity. And that would have been uh, Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi would be the three prophets of the post-captivity. Now, according to Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 3, Ezekiel was of priestly descent. Now notice in verse number 3 with me again. The word of the Lord came expressly, clearly, unambiguously unto Ezekiel. What does it say? He was a priest. Ezekiel was not only a Jewish prophet, but he was also of priestly descent. He descends from the line of the Kohanim in Hebrew. The line of the high priest going all the way back to Aaron. He is of priestly descent. And by the way, he was 30 years old at this time. 30 years old when he was taken into the Babylonian captivity. And you know, the thing about men who would serve as priests, they had to study for 28 years to become a Kohanim, to become a priest, serving in the tabernacle in the first and second Jewish temples. In other words, they had to begin their study at what age? Two years old. And the moment they reached the age of 30, they would begin their ministry as a Kohanim. They would begin their ministry as the priest. So they would study for 28 years. As a matter of fact, the moment they reached 30, they begin their service all the way up until 50 years of age. Now we know based on Numbers chapter 4 and verse number 3, the priests begin service at the age of 30. And according to Numbers chapter 4 and verse number 47, the moment they reach 50 years of age, that's it. Your service is over. Someone else at the age of 30 is going to take your place. So they begin at 30 and they end at 50 years of age. That's pretty interesting that they begin their ministry at 30 years of age. Come on. There we go. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 3 and verse number 23 tells us this. And Jesus himself began to be about, how old? 30 years of age. At 30 years old, he begins his ministry. Now, he never got to 50 because he already ascended up into heaven, amen? But he began his ministry at 30 years of age. I particularly got this picture right here that I wanted to show you. And when we go to Israel this upcoming March, I think I got about, we have a 23, 
24 people sign up to come with us to Israel. We have a couple of seats open if they're interested in joining us on our Bible prophecy tour. You're looking at the Jordan River right here at a place called Qasa al-Yahud. Now, Qasa al-Yahud is Arabic for castle of the Jews. And you're looking at the Jordan River right here. You were looking at the original location where John was baptizing. Where he baptized the Lord Jesus. Just as the Dead Sea, ent uh, excuse me, the uh, Jordan River enters into the Dead Sea. This is the original area here where John was baptizing. John chapter 1 says, and Betha Bara. That's Betha Bara right there. And so this is where John baptized the Lord Jesus when he was 30 years old. Not as an infant. Someone say amen. Okay. But at 30 years of age, he began his ministry. So again, the Jewish high priest would begin at the age of 30, Numbers chapter 4 verse 3, and end their priestly service at the age of 50, Numbers chapter 4 and verse number 47. What I love about the book of Ezekiel is that he is called by the title of Son of Man. And by the way, he's called Son of Man, Brother John Juno, 93 times in this book. That's a lot. Of, 93 times Ezekiel is called the Son of Man. Who else in the Bible is called Son of Man? Exactly. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Jesus is called Son of Man some 85 times. So Ezekiel's called Son of Man more than the Lord Jesus. You know, in, in the Bible, he's called Son of Man 93 times in the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, his book is called an apocalyptic book. What does it mean by apocalyptic or apocalyptic literature? That just simply means Ezekiel's book is filled with symbols. But you must look for a literal interpretation behind the symbolism. And the word of God, and the word of God alone, not August Rosado, not some other Bible prophecy teacher out there, the Bible and the Bible alone will interpret those symbols. If you interpret the, or try to figure out the symbols, you're going to get into doctrinal trouble. We're all going to get into doctrinal trouble, amen? You allow the word of God to interpret these symbols. That's true for Ezekiel. That's true for Zechariah. That's true for Daniel. And that is especially true for the book of Revelation. The Bible will always interpret the Bible. And Ezekiel is called Ben Adam in Hebrew. He is called the Son of Man 93 times. Jesus in the New Testament, Ben Adam, is called the Son of Man some 85 times or so in the New Testament. Now, Ezekiel prophesied about a lot of stuff, amen? Uh, but especially prophesied about the millennial temple. The temple that will stand in the kingdom to come. The 1,000 year millennial kingdom reign of the Lord Jesus. And by the way, he prophesies about this temple in chapters 40 through 46 of the book of Ezekiel. Chapters 40 through 46, covering, ready for this? Covering 202 detailed verses concerning the Messiah's temple. And yet based on Zechariah chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, 
Jesus himself is going to build that temple. And that temple will stand on the most sacred piece of real estate on earth today. The most hotly contested piece of real estate on earth today. The Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I always take my tour groups up on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Where Solomon's temple stood for 400 years. Where Herod's temple stood for 600 years in the time of Jesus. According to Bible prophecy, a tribulation temple will stand up there during the tribulation period. And then Ezekiel chapters 40 through 46... The millennial temple will stand there during that 1,000 year duration. Ezekiel has, he's got so much to say about Bible prophecy. He has so much to say about the Jews being taken from the four corners of the earth and being brought back into the land of Israel. He has much to say about a future Gog, Magog invasion, an attack on the state of Israel and the Jewish people. He has much to say about the millennial kingdom reign. He's got a lot to say about Bible prophecy. As a matter of fact, prophecy is 33% of the Bible. Wow, that is a lot. Amen? Prophecy is 33% of the Bible. Think about this with me for a moment. From Daniel chapter 1, going all the way to Revelation chapter 22... You are looking at 400 of the 1,189 verses of Scripture that deal with Bible prophecy. So why is the church today, by and large, ignoring this? Why are we ignoring a subject that permeates at least, at least one-fourth of Scripture? What did Jesus say in Revelation 1-3? Blessed is he that... Read it. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things that are written therein. For the time is at hand. John the Apostle. As a prisoner of the Roman Empire. On what island? Patmos. I'm still yet to get the Patmos brother. That's on my bucket list man is Patmos. And he was a prisoner. He was incarcerated. On the Isle of Patmos by the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire saw this 90 year old man as a threat to their national security. Why was this 90 year old guy a threat to the Roman Empire's national security? Because John was preaching a message Rome didn't like. See to Rome, Caesar is God. You bow down and you worship Caesar. Hail Caesar. John said no, there's only one king. And one day Caesar will bow down to this king and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is God Almighty, creator of heaven and the earth. Whoa, Rome didn't like that message. John, by the way, was pastoring at Ephesus, the church that was founded by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19. He was arrested at Ephesus, brought to the Isle of Patmos, incarcerated by the Roman Empire there. And that's where Jesus Christ revealed to him Future world events. And another apocalyptic book that we call what book? The book of Revelation. Apocalypse, it means an unveiling, amen? Please be careful with prophecy conferences where you have the main speaker saying, God has given me the key to unlock the book of Revelation for you. Excuse me, it's already been unlocked. What, that's what apocalypse means. It means to unveil. It's already been unlocked. It's already been unveiled, amen? 
The book of Revelation isn't hard to understand. It's hard to believe. If you believe it, you're going to understand it as the Holy Spirit of God dictates it to you. Amen? Amen. Study the Word of God. 33% of the Bible is prophecy. From Daniel 1 all the way to Revelation 22, 400 verses of 1,189 verses that deal with Bible prophecy. Ladies and gentlemen, we should not be ignoring this subject. Well, even at, I just had a prophecy conference at my home church, Heritage Baptist Church in uh, Norwood, Massachusetts. And uh, my pastor asked me to do the uh, services all day for Sunday school. We took prophecy Q&A. Then I preached the morning service and the night service. But sometimes I get people that walk up to me, and, and these are Christians. And they say, well, Brother Rosado, prophecy scares me. I, I just can't read it. I, I just can't study that. It, 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 it terrifies me. Well, there are one or two things wrong with us. Number one, either get saved, amen, amen. or believe what the Word of God says, amen? amen? Listen, either Bible prophecy one day will be your blessed hope, or one day it's going to be a holy terror. The choice is up to you, dependent upon what you do with Jesus Christ in the here and the now, amen? amen. So when we look at the trio of triplets, according to Bible prophecy, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on the screen here. You might want to write this down if you have time. If not, I'll give it to you at the end of the service. I want to look at the trio of triplets of Bible prophecy. We have three main events. Three main events. That's, that's a good idea. Take a picture of it. Three main events of Bible prophecy. These three main event, events are the rapture, the return, and the retribution. What is a rapture? That's the next main event on God's calendar of events. That could be today. Now, how many of you just heard that Jack Van Impey just died? Have you heard of Dr. Jack Van Impey? And he just, you've heard of him, Brother John, you know, right, Dr. Jack? No, Dr. Jack Van Impey, now, this guy was teaching prophecy for, I'm, I'm talking, I got saved in 1988. And I started watching, I'm, I'm sure you heard of him. Jack Van Impey was a, a major uh, well-known nationwide uh, Bible. He was known as the walking Bible because all that guy did was quote, quote, quote scripture. Just right off the tip of it. And, and that encouraged me to memorize scripture, especially on Bible prophecy. And we just learned yesterday that, that Dr. Jack Van Impey went home to be with the Lord. But this, these are the subjects he talked about. The rapture, that's the next main event on God's calendar of events. Following the rapture at the end of the tribulation period will be the return or the second coming of Jesus back to this earth. And then the retribution. What's the retribution? The great white throne judgment. That's Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15. Then we have the three strands of the human family. The first strand of the human family would be the Gentiles. That's Genesis chapters 1 through 11. The first 2,000 years of early human history, you only had Gentiles on the earth. No Jews, no church, no Christians, just Gentiles. But then when we get to Genesis chapter 12, we see the second strand of the human family coming on the earth, and that would be who? The Jewish people. From Genesis chapter 12 to Acts chapter number 1. The second strand of the human family, the Jewish people. Then we see the third strand of the human family coming into existence, and that would be who? The church. That would be Acts chapter 2, going all the way to Revelation chapter 4, and verse number 1. That's how God views humanity today. 
That's how God divides humanity. Gentiles, Jews, church of God. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10.32? He said, give none offense to the Jews, Gentiles, church of God. That is how God divides humanity today. And then we see the three main books of Bible prophecy. The book we're looking at right now. Ezekiel, Daniel, and Revelation. The three main books of Bible prophecy. When we look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a timeline for the Jewish people. God's future program for Israel. Is God finished with Israel? No. We reject replacement theology. And it's sad that that seems to be a prominent doctrine in the church today and in many Bible colleges today that teaching this false doctrine, this anti-Semitic doctrine of replacement theology. So Ezekiel is a timeline for the Jewish people. Daniel is a timeline for the Gentiles. God's program for the Gentile nations of the world in the future. And Revelation is a timeline for the church. You say, August, how could Revelation be a timeline for the church? When it, when it deals with all of this apocalyptic literature, when it deals with death, the world's population dying by the millions, how can that be a timeline for the church? You want to know how I know that? Because the church is mentioned 25 times in the book of Revelation. 19 times before Revelation 4.1, this is before the tribulation period. And six times after Revelation 19.11, this is way after the tribulation period. In between those 15 chapters in the book of Revelation that deal with the tribulation period, the church is not mentioned as being on the earth at all. So Brother John, either God forgot to put us in the tribulation period, or we're just simply not there. So if we're not there, where are we going to be? In heaven, at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. That's Romans 14.10, Romans 14.12, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 11-15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 10. We will be at the Bema. And by the way, how long will we be in heaven for? Not eternity. We'll only be in heaven for a brief seven years. While the earth below is going through a what? Seven year period of tribulation. It's only at the end of that seven year period of tribulation. We come back with Jesus riding on what animal? A white horsey, amen? Coming back, riding on white horses back to terra firma, back to planet earth, to the land of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem, where he will establish a kingdom. The one, that's, the one that Ezekiel's talking about. A kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, for 1,000 years. The church will not be on the earth. The church will be in heaven at the Bema. So Ezekiel, some 2,500 years ago, pre-wrote history. That is unfolding right before our very eyes right now. Because I know that every single day in the news, if you can even stomach it, every single day in the news, on TV or in the newspaper... We always read about major players that are making a whole lot of noise in the Middle East right now. Major players that this Jewish prophet wrote some 2,500 years ago. Major players like Russia, 
major players like Iran. I'll talk about Iran this morning, what they just recently did. Major players like Turkey. Major players like Libya. Major players like Ethiopia. All Arab nations, folks, that have no diplomatic ties with Israel whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they want to see the demise of the state of Israel. But Ezekiel, 2,500 years ago, pre-wrote history, and it's unfolded. We see the early fruition of Ezekiel's prophecy unfolding right before our very eyes. Especially when you read Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. That talks about the Gog, G-O-G. Gog, Magog invasion. To come upon the Jewish people. To come upon the state of Israel. Russia is making a whole lot of noise in the Middle East. As a matter of fact, they're the sugar daddy of the entire Arab world, especially Iran. Amen? And Iran calls for Israel's elimination on a daily basis. So, you know, there it is right there. The war of Ezekiel chapter 38. And again, when you're looking at the Middle East right here, folks, look at that major players in Bible prophecy on that map, man. I mean, major players in Bible prophecy. Look at that. No bigger than the state of New Jersey. It's like chicken scratch. On this map. That's the state of Israel. And look at the rough neighborhood that she lives in today. Ezekiel 38, 39 talks about an invasion on Israel coming from the north. Coming from the east. Coming from the south. Coming from the west. Russia is Magog. Who was Magog? He was the son of Japheth in Genesis chapter 10 verses 1 through 3. And when Magog broke away from his brothers, he settled north of the Caspian and Black Seas. There's the Caspian and Black Seas right here. He settled north of the Caspian and Black Sea. The Jewish historian Josephus confirms that in his book, The Antiquities of the Jews. Magog settled north of the Caspian and Black Sea. What country is north of the Caspian and Black Sea today? Obviously, Russia. And then Magog's brothers, Meshach and Tubal, Ezekiel 38, 2, Gomer to Gomer, Ezekiel 38.6. Those guys settled south of the Caspian and Black Sea. What country is south of the Caspian and Black Sea? Turkey. And then Ezekiel 38.5, Persia in 1936 changed their name to Iran. By the way, do you know what the name Iran means? you know what it literally means, Iran? Yeah, brother, exactly right. Land of the Aryans. Due to Nazi influence when Nazi officials visited the country of Persia in 1936. Encouraged them to change their name over to Iran. Because we're all on the same page here. We just want to kill Jews. Land of the Aryans. And then Libya will attack from the west. Turkey just sent troops over there to Libya. Libya will attack from the west. And you can't see it on the map if you go down further south here. Ethiopia also consisted of Sudan and Somalia. So Israel will be attacked north, south, east, and west. I told you the book of Ezekiel is the book of retribution and restoration. It's a book of retribution because, and I'm going to try to go as slow as I can so you can write this down. We're going to go through the whole 48 chapters right now in just a couple of seconds. How in the world are you going to do that? Well, let's give it a shot. Amen. Ezekiel is retribution. Retribution to Israel. Chapters 1 through 24. Retribution to Israel. 
chapters 1 through 24. And then it's retribution to Israel's neighbors, chapters 25 to 32. Retribution to Israel's neighbors, chapters 25 through 32. Then it's restoration. Restoration. Restoration of Israel back to her land. Chapters 33 to 39. Again, restoration. Israel back to her own homeland. Chapters 33 to 39. And then it's restoration of Jewish practices. Chapters 40 through 48. Restoration of Jewish practices. Chapters 40 through 48. You say, well, what do you mean, August? Restoration of Jewish practices. Animal sacrifices will be reinstituted in the kingdom. That don't sit well with Christians. I didn't make that up. It's in Ezekiel chapter 43. It's in Ezekiel chapter 47. Animal sacrifices will be reinstituted. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with God. And some people say, well, why August? Maybe they look back to Jesus' once and for all sacrifice. Amen? By the way, what does it say in the very front of that table right there? What does it say? Someone read it out loud. What are we doing in remembrance of him, brother? Communion, right? Are we re-crucifying Jesus Christ? No. We look back at what he did, right? That's why Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. So those sacrifices in the kingdom are probably looking back to his once and for all sacrifice on the, cro- on the cross for the sins of all mankind. Maybe you have another uh, scenario for that. I'd love to hear it if you want to bring that up to me later on. I'm always open to hearing stuff like that. But it's a restoration of Jewish practices, chapters 40 through 48. When you read Ezekiel chapter 34, you will notice this phrase, I will. In Ezekiel 34, you'll notice it. God says, I will. 18 times in Ezekiel 34. In keeping his promises to the Jewish people. I will take them from the four corners of the earth where, where they've been scattered. I will bring them back into their own homeland. I will keep my promises to them. I will protect and defend them. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. That's a lot of I wills. You know why? God is a God who keeps covenant. God is a God who keeps his promises. Do you know why I am eternally saved? Do you know why our salvation is secure? Not because of August Rosado or you, because God said, I will. First Peter 1.5 We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, if God said, I will once, that's good enough for me, brother. But 18 times in Ezekiel 34, we better listen up. God is trying to Tell us something here. I will, I will, I will. I will keep my promises to Israel. I will keep my promises to the Jewish people. 
The river that you're looking at right there is located in Iraq. Folks, you are looking at the Kabar River. Do you remember Ezekiel said he was by what river? Kabar. He said, I was by the river Kabar. The river Kabar is a tributary river to the Tigris and the Euphrates River that starts in the Persian Gulf in the south of Iraq and it makes its way all the way up to what is today Turkey. I look at it as two bug antennas. You see the bug, which is the Persian Gulf, and then you see these two long antennas going all the way up to what is the area of Turkey today. That would be the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Ezekiel said he was by the uh, uh, river Kabar near Tel Aviv. I didn't. I did not say Tel Aviv. A V I V. The modern day city in Israel today is called what? Tel Aviv. And a lot of Christians, brother Juno, say, "Oh, I just found Tel Aviv in the Bible." That's not the Tel Aviv uh, in Israel today, off the Mediterranean coast. Ezekiel chapter three verse fifteen says, "Tel Aviv." A B. I B. That was a town not far from where the Kabar River is right here in Iraq. So don't confuse it with modern day Tel Aviv in Israel today. Ezekiel is taken to Babylon. He's 30 years old, along with 10,000 other Jewish captives. They would be in Babylon for a period of 70 years. According to Daniel 9-2, Jeremiah 25, 11-12, Jeremiah chapter 29, and verse number 10. And then after 70 years, God said, I'm going to raise up a guy. I'm going to raise up a man. And his name would be Cyrus. Cyrus was a king of what country? Persia. What would be today? Modern day Iran. Cyrus was a friend to the Jews. What happened with his modern day descendants today? Go figure. Because Iran is calling for Israel's elimination off the, off the face of the earth. But Cyrus the Great, that's his tomb right there in Iran today. You gotta love the Bible, man. You just gotta love the Word of God. You know why? That guy was prophesied 150 years before he was even born. Try trying to find that type of prophecy in the Quran, the Hindu Vedas, or, or, or the New World Translation, all these. No, folks, he was prophesied 150 years before he was even born. Isaiah 44, 28. Isaiah 45, verses 1, 4, and 13. Prophesied about Cyrus the Great 150 years in advance before the guy was even born that he would deliver the Jews from Babylon and Cyrus would allow the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. And we see that fulfillment in Ezra chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. Woo! What a book that we have. In Jeremiah chapters 16, 23, and 31, God said that he would reach into the north and regather the Jews back to their own homeland. And over the years, folks, 1.3 million Jews have made Aliyah from Russia to the land of Israel. Aliyah simply means to ascend or to go up in biblical times to Jerusalem. Today it refers to Jewish immigration back to the land. And then again, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Are them bones, them bones, them 
Ezekiel 37, the dry bones vision. Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, God, you know. You're omnipotent. You're omniscient. Only you can know that. God said, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I will gather these bones from the graves. The graves meaning the nations of the world where they've been scattered. I will gather these bones. I will bring them back into the land of Palestine. Somebody should have corrected me. Thank you. It's not. How many of you saw that, that Jeopardy show? Where Alex Trebek asked the question. In the 300s, the church of the nativity. And one lady answered. In Palestine? Trebek said, nope. Another guy answered, Israel, correct. Don't call it Palestine. It's not Palestine. 2,566 times in your King James Bible, God calls the land Israel. Let's call it what God calls it in his word, Israel. And stop using the term West Bank. The country west of the Jordan River, which is, it's not the West Bank. Biblically, it's Judea and Samaria. Let's call it what God calls it. In his word. Amen. Brother, we got a few minutes left here? I, I want to make sure I don't go overboard here. Because I, I really can't see my the watch, my uh, clock thing here. So just, just give me the heads up when we're ready, okay? The dry bones. And then, in Ezekiel chapter 36, God prophesied to the land 35 times. I can understand God prophesying to people. But prophesying to a land? He prophesied to the land of Israel 35 times. In Ezekiel 36, what is God telling the land? Your indigenous occupants are coming back soon. And that was fulfilled May the 14th, 1948, with the rebirth of the Jewish state of Israel. Prophesying to the land 35 times. That's absolutely unbelievable. There we go. Fly away. Get out of here. Yeah, there we go. And then in Ezekiel, chapters 38 and 39. Well, actually, Ezekiel 37, the dry bones vision. Then Ezekiel 38, 39, the Gog, Magog invasion. Bad news for Russia, Turkey, Iran, Libya, Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia. According to Ezekiel 39, 4, they will be destroyed upon the mountains of Israel. Let me take you to the mountains of Israel on my tour. In the Golan Heights, where there's a beautiful vulture nature reserve there. You see these massive vultures, they're flying all over the place out there. And God said, when it's all said and done, in Ezekiel 39, 17, I will call for the buzzards, for the carnivorous birds of the air, to come down and feast on your miserable carcasses. And then finally, that temple that Ezekiel was prophesying of. We call it the Millennial Temple, Messiah's Temple, Ezekiel's temple. That temple will stand uh, 21 stories high. And Ezekiel does not make mention of certain artifacts that were in the tabernacle in the first and second Jewish temples. In other words, uh, the wall of partition, Ezekiel makes no mention of it. Not in this temple. There's no wall of partition there. Why? Ephesians 2.14, what did Paul say? The middle wall of partition was broken down, making both Jew and Gentile one in the Messiah. One in Jesus Christ. No wall of partition there. What else is missing there? The table of showbread. It's not in this temple. The, that, that table with 12 loaves of bread that were only reserved for the Kohen Haggadol, the high priest to eat, it's not mentioned there. Why? 
What did Jesus say in John 6.35? I am the, the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. So, no mention of the table of showbread there. What else is missing? The seven branch menorah, the seven branch candelabra. It's not there. You know why? What did Jesus say in John 8.12? I am the light of the world. What else is missing? Oh, he makes no reference to the veil. There's no veil there. There's no veil in this temple. Why? Matthew 27, 51. The moment Jesus gave up the ghost. What happened to that veil, brother? Right? <laughs> it was torn from top to bottom. Now giving you, giving you and I access into the most holy place. Amen. The high priest never had that privilege that you and I have today. He was only allowed into the holy place once a year. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur in Hebrew. Now that that tail has been rent from top to bottom, you and I can come into the very presence of God in the most holy place, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every minute of the day. Hebrews 4.16 Let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Guess what else is missing in that temple? The Ark of the Covenant. By the way, it wasn't even in Herod's temple. When the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem in 586 B.C., the Ark of the Covenant just disappeared. There's many speculation as to where it is today. Some believe it's under the Temple Mount. We don't know. Ark of the Covenant's not there. You know why? Jeremiah 3.16 says, they won't talk about it anymore, and it will not come into remembrance. You know why? All those artifacts were prototypes that pointed to Jesus Christ as the once and for all fulfillment. I'll tell you folks, it doesn't get... Any better than that. And then finally, that altar right there, that's the only implement that will be in Ezekiel's temple. <coughs> you see, during the tabernacle, that ramp came from south to the north when they were to sacrifice. It was two stories high. The reason why that ramp was facing uh, from uh, south to the north is to avoid sun, S-U-N, worship. That was a bad problem back in the day. If that, if that ramp would have been positioned from east to the west when the sun was setting, guess what they'd be doing? Worshiping the sun. Or vice versa. Uh, uh, east to west, west to east, when the sun was setting, they'd be worshiping the sun. Which is the reason why during the tabernacle in both temples, that ramp was positioned from uh, south to north to avoid sun worship. But in Ezekiel's temple, it's going to be repositioned coming from the west and facing the east toward the millennial temple. And when those priests walk up that ramp, facing from the uh, from the west to the east, they'll look into the temple, and then, brother, in the temple in the millennial kingdom, then they'll be worshiping the sun. S-O-N. When Jesus is sitting on David's throne in the kingdom. What a day, glorious day, that is going to be. Ezekiel's prophecy of the future pre-written 2,500 years ago unfolding today. Keep your eyes on the Middle East. Keep your eyes on Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya. Major players in Ezekiel's prophecy. In Ezekiel chapter 38. Indicating the next main event. The rapture of the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, Sunday school hour. As we look at this beautiful book of Ezekiel, this apocalyptic book dear Lord and Father I just pray that you would um, bless every word dear Lord that was said here today that would, it would find a place in our very hearts dear Lord 
And once again, Lord, we're asking if there is someone here this morning and they don't know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, may today be the day of salvation because tomorrow could be too late. Bless the next service now, Father. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.